Welcome to the vineyard. Glad to have you here. Welcome if you're joining us online. And uh, we're in the room. We are safely socially distanced. So thank you for that. Rows are six feet apart, in case you're wondering online. And uh, masks, you know, so, so we encourage you. To, obviously, you have to have a mask to come in. But once you're in your seat, because they're six feet apart, you can take your mask off. If you would like, you can keep it on if you like, but you can take it down. Because uh, we can get you seated, safely separated by distance. There's coffee on the way in. And we also have added back breakfast sandwiches. And, uh, yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. Little, little uncrustables. If you've never had one, you will quickly become addicted. And, uh, and Pop-Tarts. So uh, you can pick those things up on the way in if you want. And then just once you're in your chair, you can sit down and enjoy those here. And so we think that's good. You know, the, what we're trying to figure out is how to make everything touchless for you. So that's kind of the plan, that, that you can come in and not have to touch anything that's been touched by anybody else. So the doors are held open. You know, somebody hits your hands when you come in. With uh, Somebody hits your hand. Somebody sprays your hands with hand sanitizer. Uh, so then you know you're good. Uh, if you want a coffee, they will put everything that you need in there, except, you know, they'll hand you the packets for sugar and stuff, so you can serve that yourself. Um, they're wearing gloves, so they're not um, touching it. And then um, if you want a sandwich or something, they will hand that to you. You can sit in your chair. Uh, and then when we leave, we're all trying to go out this door, which is open for you. And um, then you can get out. And then in between services, we're wiping down anything that you might touch, the tops of the offering boxes or anything you wipe. The only uh, place, obviously, that we can't fix that is in the restrooms, so um, which would be completely inappropriate. So uh, we trust that you will wash your hands if you go there. And uh, that's that's and there's soap in there and uh, hand sanitizer. So everything you could need to make that happen is uh, what we're doing. So um, next week, a couple of changes. Now next week. Because we can fit everybody, especially this time of year, and you know people are coming back uh, as they feel a little slowly, which is great. Um, we're going to go back to four services. It sounds kind of funny. We were at six, and uh, this is our fifth week meeting again, which goes really quick. I mean, we're off for six weeks. This is our fifth week back. Yeah, so. Very, very blessed that we can do that. Um, so we're not going to have the 5 o'clock Saturday service anymore, and we're not going to have the 7 a.m. Sunday service. So it'll go back to the way it was before, 6.30 Saturday night, and then 8, 9.30, and 11 on Sunday morning. All right? So it shouldn't change anybody for, for you guys, but that's what we'll do. And um, on Saturday evenings, we'll have hot dogs for those people coming. We can't get back to the full meal stuff because I can't get back to tables yet because you'd be touching things. So... Uh, so we'll have, a, we'll have a hot dog on Saturday night if you want to come. Then you can sit and eat in your chair. And uh, so you get a little something. Because I, I think it's important to have a little something. A little nosh. It's nice. A little nosh. Um, and we're also starting Children's Church next week. Yeah. And, and so um, we are very excited about that. Well, I, I, I'm, I feel funny without the children around. Because they've been a highlight of everything that we've done. So we're starting back. We've talked to the local daycares, how they've been doing things. Most of them have been operation this whole time, and the children are doing just fine. So we can do that. We will probably keep the kids with us during music, and then we'll let them loose uh, carefully into their rooms, um, all of which will be cleaned and ready, and there's a plan for that. But let me say this, those of you that are watching online, when you're ready, okay? I'm not expecting you all to come back just because we open the kids' rooms, but when you're ready, we're here. And that goes for everybody. When you're ready... We're here. In the meantime, we're doing this, and we're doing the online stuff, and we'll stay on top of both for you. And uh, we just want you to be ready when, uh, 
we'll be ready when you are. Uh, to follow along, don't forget today, everything is digital now, so you can do that uh, on your smart devices if you want a bulletin. Easiest way, I think, is to get the app downloaded onto your device. Keys Vineyard is the app at, in any of the stores or, you know, online stores. Get that. It's free. And then just uh, go to the About page and click Online Bulletin, and you'll have that. Or you can go straight to VineyardBulletin.com. That will be there as well. Okay. We're in a series called Light. And um, how to be the light of the world is the idea in a pandemic where we started, um, ten, this is week 10, but we did an intro 11 weeks ago. And um, so we've been praying through that. I made an acronym for light as we started this whole thing, which was to love. You know, we're going to love God all in. Um, and, and then to uh, implore, pressing into the Lord, how important that is. The G was about gathering virtually, which we, we did and continue to do. I've also used that G for grace because... I don't know about you, but I need lots of grace right now. And I need lots of grace for other people, too. Anybody? You get that? H is help, how we can help others. T is trust. And we're kind of camping out in the trust area right now. This is very important to me, that um, everybody understands how... You know, that we can trust God, that He is for us. That's kind of been the little sub-series right now. And we've been hanging out in Romans 8, talking about that. And um, this week is Pentecost Sunday, as they were saying on the platform. I'd ask them to sing that song, Rattle, because, you know, I was thinking this week as I was praying, it's kind of like dry bones kept in my brain. This, this thing is wearying. And, and uh, the, the, the Lord just wants to speak into that and, and bring refreshing and, and dry bones come into life is the whole picture. And it fit with be at Pentecost Sunday, you know, the Holy Spirit poured out in us and how amazing that is. Uh, and because we've been hanging out in Romans 8, 11, this verse didn't make your na- notes, but hanging out in Romans 8, verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Because the Holy Spirit in us, we get life now as well as life forever. And and I also today sort of want to talk about that because of the resurrection of Jesus, um, what was started and what it means to us. And we're going to talk about creation and the renewal of all things today. And so that's where we're headed. Um, oops, I hit that too quickly. Sorry, going back here. Bad jokes. You don't want me to skip over the bad jokes, I'm sure. Although after I share these with you, you might wish I had. Because they're particularly bad and I enjoy them even more. I know a guy who lived a stone's throw away from a family that all died of mysterious head injuries. It's a little dark, I know. But the bird feeder out in the backyard is empty. I'm anticipating some nasty tweets. All right, so this is my favorite, but it hasn't gone over very well. Last week was my birthday. My friend actually bought me a telekinetic abacus for my birthday. It wasn't my favorite gift, but it's the thought that counts. (laughs) See, this is a smarter group. I knew it coming in because they, they appreciated that. Alice, my love, will you please come and lead us in the reading of the word. Abacus. How did that even make it in a joke? So here at the Vineyard, we like to give credit where credit is due. Okay? So the Uncrustables, 
About a month ago, my daughter said, oh, I can't keep them in the house. They're so good. The kids eat them so quick. And then she said, and if you eat one, you won't stop. So she's been eating the Uncrustable Tooth. Steve took notes. Okay, we're going to order them for church. So I can't have them, but um, I don't eat wheat. So let me know if any of you have them and how good they are. And uh, Sarah says they're great. And also, some of you heard the story about my dryer last week. I just want to give a dryer update. Um, so the repairman came again on Tuesday. It's a different, a different repairman, and, and um, he seemed to know what was going on. It needs two new parts now. So he's supposed to come back sometime next week, and we have fasted and prayed and lit candles that this will do the trick. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. But thank goodness. Thank goodness there's dryers around me, right? Okay, will you pray with me before we read the word? Papa, we are so grateful, Father, to be together this morning, to worship you corporately, Father. And Lord, sometimes what we see going on around us with our natural eyes out in the world overwhelms us, discourages us, causes us deep, deep grief. But Lord, I know, and you told us that we live by faith and not by sight. And Lord, we know that on this Pentecost Sunday, as you poured your spirit upon us, Father, you will continue to do so. And we ask, Father, that that fresh wind would flow through our land again. That sanity and reason would rise up, Lord. And that you would be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. The text today is out of the book of Romans, chapters, chapter 8, 18 through 23. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Blessed be the word of God. All right, so... What we've been talking about uh, as we've been hanging out in Romans 8 is that God is for us. And, and he's for us in ways that maybe we've never even imagined. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how um, Cleopas, remember Cleopas and his wife, I think it was his wife, it says another disciple, were walking back and they were leaving Jerusalem and they were broken hearted because it hadn't worked out the way they wanted. And how Jesus shows up and walks with them. And how amazing it was to me because that was resurrection morning and, and here's Jesus after accomplishing the most amazing thing ever, which sets so many things in motion for us, which we'll talk about today. He spends the next two or three hours walking with Cleopas and his wife and uh, encouraging them. And what they couldn't grasp, I said, is how suffering can give way to glory uh, and that we need to get a hold of that idea. 
So last week I was building on that again. We talked about the biblical view of time. And, and I, I wanted to make sure that you got the idea that, see, that, that night gives way to day, that darkness gives way to light, that this is uh, established in creation and God set it back in Genesis 1 so that we would see that, so that we understand that, that light always wins and that in, in Revelation 21, we read it again, how uh, and ultimately there'll be no more night. It's just a day. It's just promise. It's just hope. It's just life. And that that's what we're heading towards uh, on this journey. And what Paul is trying to do today, he, he's, he's taking in now this expansive view of creation. And he, he wants to make sure we understand how God is, is putting things back to right. That, that the, the overall good news of the gospel the, the, is that, that God is restoring everything back to the way it was. That, that because of the fall, all these things happen, and we pick it up in Genesis 3.15. We see the crimson thread of redemption working its way through to Jesus and him defeating death. Uh, and, and what that means is he rises again. And then into the end of Revelation, when we see him coming back and new heaven and new earth and everything restored, back to uh, the, the whole picture of, of renewal is, is sort of back to the, the beginning, back to Genesis, back to that idea of, of a cosmic temple of God and his people dwelling together in, in a perfect uh, situation. And, and so... That's the whole idea that God is doing. Uh, and this whole thing started with, with Jesus coming. It, it, it started with him defeating death and rising again. It started with him sending the Holy Spirit. And it started with, with you and I ultimately being able to trust that God is indeed putting all things back to right. That that's the process. And Paul says, as we get a hold of that, that he says, listen, the sufferings, remember suffering gives way to glory. The sufferings that you are experiencing, he says, are ultimately not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed. And, and there's something about thinking that way, having that perspective that really allows us to walk through difficulties in a completely different way, knowing that God is for us, knowing that God is working everything out, and that we can trust Him. And so what Paul is kind of doing in this, this part of Romans 8 is trying to explain how that works. So the first thing I want you to see is that the creation is waiting. Point number one, the creation is waiting, and it's, it's waiting in a, in a neat sort of way. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, which is talking about that, that time when Jesus comes back and, and everything is put right. The, the creation is that eager, it's eager expectation. Um, the, the picture would be that creation is on its tiptoes, waiting for the return of Jesus so that all things are put back to right. Or another way that, that word is used is uh, um, that, that, you know, at the end of a race, when, when the runners stretch towards the tape to try and win, you know that thing? That's what that word is. That's that picture. It's sort of creation is, is waiting for that moment when everything changes, when Jesus comes back. And Paul wants us to be aware of that. And, and it's very important, he says, to get this, because in verse 20, he said, the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice. So what that means is that all of that started to fall apart because of the fall, which, which we understand from Genesis 3. We've read it. You've, you've understood the fall. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they, when they decided not to do what God had told them to do. And so not only were there consequences on them and since all of us, but also on creation itself. The very ground was cursed. The, the universe was cursed, if you would. The, all of creation was cursed. And not because of anything that creation had done, but because of our sin. But, but at the same time now, creation is waiting for everything to be put back 
back at the point of our redemption, our final redemption, when Jesus comes back. And again, he keeps making this. He wants us to see that the sufferings that we're going through are nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. His point is, it's a fallen world. It's a broken planet. You've heard me say that. And things are not the way they were created to be. And we need to be aware of that. Uh, it, it wasn't created that... That there would be fault lines in the earth that would cause earthquakes that would destroy lives and, and things and all sorts of things. It wasn't created originally. There'd be hurricanes and typhoons and uh, all the things that they cause. It, it wasn't created. There would be disease and pandemic and wars and violence and abuse. It wasn't originally created this way. But this is the fallen world, unfortunately, that we experience now. And, and because it's fallen, what you, what you sort of have to begin to take in is that if you know, if you start big, the entire universe and every star and every planet and then take it down to every cell, everything has been marred. Nothing is the way it was created to be down to the cellular level. And, and this is significant. So, so when we're looking at the vastness of the universe, I, I, I like to do this, you know, when so there are times when you when you begin to look up into a night sky and it, the more you look, the more that you see and, and you're overwhelmed at the expanse of it. And, and, and it's like looking, uh, you know, in different places all around our planet where, where the beauty of creation can be overwhelming and, and, and it, you're in awe. And yet, at the same time, the realization is that all of it is marred and flawed. None of it is the way it was originally created. And we're, we're still in awe of it at times, but all of it's messed up from the way it is. And creation is longing, all of creation is longing for the time when Jesus returns so that it can be put back to right. And, and that's what it's waiting for. And, and, and see, we... it. it, it it's possible because of the resurrection of Jesus. He started it, and he's going to return, and then everything sort of is resurrected. That's the picture. Creation is resurrected, and, and we're resurrected in the new physical bodies. And we're going to be able to experience creation the way it was intended to be throughout all eternity. Every star put back right, every planet put back right, every galaxy put back right, every cell put back right. And, and as co-heirs with uh, Christ, we're going to live throughout eternity able to explore and understand all of God's creation. And Paul just, he's trying to make that point. If you could just get a hold of that, if you could get a hold of what's coming, ah, it'll change everything for you. It'll change your perspective in so many ways. And so we got to get a hold of that, that that day is coming. That's point number two. The day is coming. Romans 8.22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The interesting sort of analogy that Paul uses, the analogy of childbirth. Um, so, you know, here I, I have to... Um, uh, confess that I haven't actually had any children personally come out of me. And uh, I have been in the room to experience it twice with my wife. Uh, and and uh, she did have that happen with both of our kids. And from my watching of it, it was an extremely painful situation. And, uh, and Paul's using the analogy on purpose because uh, you know, th this, this time while we wait... Is painful. 
We deal with a lot of painful things. But what's coming, what will be birthed out of all of this is, is beyond compare. Nothing will compare to it. Much in the same way as a child comes and, and sort of alleviates, the, or at least block the pain. Uh, or, you know, maybe not completely, but yet some of you get to use it throughout the course of life. Think, do, you know, do you know how much you hurt me? And, uh, not that you would, but anyway. It's a picture of, of this whole process and, and that it's building. You know, the, the pains build and the time is coming and, and that the day is coming when this is going to happen and, and all of creation is going to be put back right. And, and like it's going to be worth it when you see it. Paul saying, verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly. We're eager as well for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So not only creation is waiting, we're waiting. And, and we're groaning inwardly as we wait. See, because somewhere deep down inside of us, here's the amazing thing. That as believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And, and we know, we just know that there's something much better that's coming. You got it down there. You, you, well, sometimes we try and sort of make it happen now, but it can't. We know that there's something more. Knowing that there's something more even sometimes makes it harder to sort of, sort of wait. That's, that's this whole process. But something more is coming. Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit poured out. Here's a concept. That, I, that really has helped me. And I, I, for years I read this. You know, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, our eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit as a deposit. Now, and for years I, I used to think, well, that's cool. But I hadn't really thought about it this way. So, Holy Spirit, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God dwells in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. God has come and settled inside of us. And we have the Holy Spirit. And that's a deposit. He's a deposit of what's to come. Now, when I started thinking about a deposit, uh, when you get a deposit on something, it's not the whole thing. It's just a little part of something, right? A lot of times a deposit's like 10%. Here's a 10%. Can you imagine in your somehow, this is what has, this is what I think about. If God dwelling with me, Holy Spirit dwelling in me is a tenth of what's coming, can you imagine what's coming? You, you get it? It begins to change things. This is, he's, a, he's a deposit. Holy Spirit. Resurrection power flowing through our veins. You know, all of that stuff that we were singing about. Just a deposit of what's coming. And Paul is saying, listen, what's coming? You've you got to get that the things that you're suffering now, I get it. I'm not saying they don't matter. But what's going to be revealed is so much more than what you're experiencing. There's no comparison. And when we get it, we begin to look at everything differently. Because there's mess, there's fallen world stuff, there's broken planet stuff, it's not good. This, this is disconcerting times. Everything that's going on. And, and yet, what's coming, what's coming, is, is what he wants to be aware of. For in this, verse 24, we were saved. In this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Well, we're supposed to wait for it patiently. I'm probably leaning more on the eager side than the patient side. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans or words that we cannot express. Here's, so let me, let me tap you into the groaning. See, when we're having questions like, God, where are you in this? God, why would you allow this to happen? God, God, why would these things happen in my life? God, why would you let the world be the way it is? God, it, it doesn't look, God, like you're bringing it all to fruition. It doesn't look like you're, you're making things all right. In those moments, moments in those weaknesses, in, in the questions and the sicknesses, in the diseases and all this mess, somehow what you have to know is the Holy Spirit is right here with you in this. And when you find yourself saying those things, I can't believe this, why would anybody, that's the very groaning uh, of the Holy Spirit with you in the, in the longing for everything to be put back right. See, that's, you know, God has never left us alone in all of this, ever, even for a moment. The Holy Spirit is here with us in this journey, in this difficult stuff, and we need to be aware of that, and He's just a deposit of what's going to come. And so He's interceding with us and for us in all of this uh, life that we're going through. And we need to know this amazing news. See, because if you ever wonder, is God for you? The answer is, yes, God is for you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. He's got you. Romans 8, 28. We know, Paul says. We know. Not we think, not that we hope, not that we believe, not that we... We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. He's saying you can know. And He wants you to know. And he wants you to settle in that whole deal, everything that's going on. So if you're, you know, if you're loving God and you're trying to do the thing that God wants you to do, and you, 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 you know, you're, you're trying to do the next right thing, you may not always get it right, but, but you can know this, that God is behind the scenes and he's always working to bring you to that place of glorification, the renewal of all things. And so we have to know God is for us. That's point number three. You just have to know. He wants you to know. He, too many people, don't grab a hold of this. They just, because circumstances can be hard, they, they think they don't know that God is really for them. And yet, God is, Holy Spirit dwells in you. God is absolutely for you. And, and the Word of God tells us He's for us. And that's kind of what I'm, I want you to hang on to today. See, you, you, you need to know. And, and regardless of circumstance, you need to know that God is for you and, and we know that we know that we know because His Word tells us. He, he, we have His Word, and the Word of God is that He is for us. We keep going over and over again in Romans 8, and we're going to do it for another week. Remember in the, in the desert when um, Jesus is tempted? I love this story. I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 4, 1 and following. Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, He was hungry. You ever, I always kind of chuckle at that, that Matthew felt like he needed to throw that in, like we wouldn't get the idea <laughs> that Jesus would be hungry after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and Matthew said, oh, they won't get it. Bible's funny. The tempter came to him and, and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, this is home, man, we people should not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every single word, that's what we're to live on. Not just on what we see in the physical or experience or our circumstance, but every single word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Now watch what the devil does, for it is written. What? Guess what the devil quotes next? Scripture. He twists it, but he uses it. He twists the Psalms. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, why I say that's important is that your enemy knows the Scripture. If that doesn't compel you to know the Scripture, and, and not only does he know it, he twists it to make it not right. But if you're not aware of it, then, then it's not at your command like it was at Jesus to answer him right away and say, it's also written, or it's correctly written, or what it actually says is, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to me, has said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. The enemy comes to Jesus and says, look, Jesus, here's what you need to do. You're hungry. You're God. Turn these stones into bread so you can eat. Feed yourself. And hey, while you're at it, feed everybody. You can do that. You're God. And, and yet, what does Jesus say? I'm not doing that. I don't live on bread alone. I live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the temptation comes again, and Jesus uses the word, and it comes again, and Jesus uses the word. You've got to know it. You've got to let it lead you, guide you, yield to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to illuminate it to you and, and don't sort of get caught up just in circumstances but know that you can trust God and that He is in fact putting all things right and that He will use everything for good because He's God. And so I want you to get a hold of that this week. Next week, I'm going to tell you this too. I'm going to give you a little lead in to next week. So I'm going to hang out in Romans 8 some more. I want to look at a statement in Romans 8 that I think is amazing where it says that we're more than conquerors. Have you ever read that? Have you ever thought about it? Because wouldn't conqueror be enough? You're conquerors. Yeah. But you're more than conquerors. What does that mean? Well, it's really cool, and I'll tell you what it means next week. (laughs) But we're going to end it right there this week. Listen. It all starts with Jesus. Everything. Everything I talk about starts with the relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to. And that starts with a prayer. Just asking Him. Asking God for forgiveness. Asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It's a little prayer. I'm going to pray it. If you've never prayed it, pray with me. It goes, it goes, God, will you forgive me of all my sins? And Jesus, will you come into my heart, into my life, and be my Lord and Savior? In Jesus' name. And, and if you prayed that, that's how it starts. And, and listen, because a lot of you are watching right now and I, and, and I can't be here with you, I want to know so I can celebrate with you and I can encourage you on, on your journey. And so we've come up with this thing where if you prayed that, you just text the word heart, H-E-R-T, to that number. And then I get made aware of it and then we send you a little stuff to help you on the journey. Okay, and if you prayed that, I want to know so I can celebrate. And let me say this again. Thank you so much, church, for your generosity in these times. We have done 20 straight drive-through giveaways. 
And uh, every Wednesday and Saturday for 10 weeks, we have blessed the community over and over again. We're, we're changing a little. We're going to go to just Saturdays now. But your generosity has made this possible. And thank you. And so many of you adapted to giving online. Thank you for that. And uh, those of you who have been mailing in your offerings, we appreciate that. Let me also say we know that a lot of you are not in that financial spot right now. And that's cool. We're, we're praying for you, that God would bless you and open up every door. But um, we, we thank you again for your willingness to um, give and to be generous to us and let's end with this it's one of my favorite things praise God from whom all blessings Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you, those that are watching online. As you're leaving here, this is the way out. Please don't bunch up at the doors. Make sure you keep your six feet. Make sure you get your mask back up before you go. All right, so you're not wandering around. If you need a sandwich or something, you can grab one. And then uh, we will see you guys soon. God bless you. Bye. for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.